Dozens of constituents held a demonstration Thursday calling on Representative-elect Republican George Santos of New York to resign before he even takes office. This after he admitted to lying about his background. A source familiar with the matter says federal prosecutors are now looking into Santos's finances. Joining us now live is CBS's Scott McFarland. Scott, good morning. Good morning, Spikes. Good to be here. So this uh, this is uh, is this a new low? <laughs> Will we ever find the bottom of politics these days with regard to integrity? Well, this is this is a really distinctive case, and I've been talking to a lot of people who've been around Congress a long time, and really never seen anything like this before. George Santos is now acknowledging, you know, making baseless claims, false claims about his own biography, his own life story, and. The question is now being raised, you know, what, what of what he's told us is true, and how politically toxic is he for his district, for the House Republican Conference, for himself, when he comes here to get sworn in Tuesday afternoon? So what constitutional rules has he actually broken? Well, it's unclear if he's violated the Constitution. It's possible, though, that he's violated other rules with campaign finance um, obligations, the disclosure of his financial information. Um, Did he make unfounded claims when he told the FEC, the Federal Elections Commission, about the money he raised? That could be problematic. That could be a legal issue. Um, In terms of making up stories about your biography, it's not against the law, but politically, it could be kryptonite for him moving forward if he chooses to move forward. Because here's the reality. If he comes here and gets sworn in Tuesday and becomes a serving member of the U.S. House for the next two years, he's going to be followed, pursued by a press corps that is particularly assertive about asking questions. And there's going to be questions asked about whether he should be on congressional committees, you know, party to sensitive information if he's proven himself not to be trustworthy, if he's proven himself to be somebody who won't tell the truth. So from what I understand, he can only be uh, removed from office if he lied about his age, his origin of birth, or his residence. Those those baseline qualifications for being a member of the House of Representatives. But will he become the face of the Republican House if he's allowed to serve and, and with this kind of luggage? Baggage, I should I mean, I, say. I think, baggage. I, 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 well, we, it's, either way it works. I think Democrats are going to try to paint him as the face of the House Republican conference. They're going to elevate him. They're going to make him a talking point and a focus of their messaging. In the minority party, as Democrats will be come Tuesday, they have the ability and really only the ability to message and communicate and make arguments. They won't control the calendar. They won't control the committees. They won't control the Congress. But they can try to elevate George Santos to damage House Republicans as they try Tuesday to lead the Congress for the first time since 2018. So this is a problem. The question is, how much of a problem is it going to be for House Republicans and how long will they tolerate it? So at this point, do his supposed constituents have anything to do with whether or not he serves? Can a recall election or something like that be held? It's a good question. I, I think right now it, those things are so rare. Those things are so so exceedingly rare, despite Congress having any number of embarrassments in its past. And it might be more, might be more relevant to talk about his political future in the 2024 election. Will he even try to run? Will he immediately be a lame duck? Does he have any support he can galvanize in his district to either withstand the possibility of getting recalled, but to 
consider running for reelection again, because if he already if he announces early in this Congress, this is it. He's one and done because of this controversy. Going to defang him politically, even more than he already is. He's not going to be a very potentially not a very good legislator at leveraging power if he's immediately a lame duck or somebody who doesn't have the backing of his district. That raises the prospect he may just bail on this. Scott, it's easy for us to say it's the worst ever. Have you? Can you think of anybody that's entered into their political career with this this level of dishonesty? Never seen anything like this, um, unequivocally. Um, there have been politically toxic members of Congress, to be sure. There have been those who've been charged with federal crimes, ethics violations. I've seen members of Congress truly prosecuted midterm of federal charges. They've been a problem for their members, or for their district. Uh, this is different. So it'll be fascinating to watch how it plays out when he comes here Tuesday at 12 p.m. And oh, by the way, this is not trivial. He gets a vote on who's going to become the next House Speaker. And that may be one reason why the silence is deafening from Republican leadership. They may need his vote Tuesday. So they've kept their powder dry when we ask them for comment. Scott McFarland, thank you so much for the information. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Mike. Little dogs, bossy dogs, bossy dogs and quiet dogs. It's Seattle's Morning News on Cairo News Radio. Spike O'Neill along with Lisa Brooks. And joining us now, the American Kennel Club's national championship takes place. It has actually taken place, but it will air in Seattle on January 1st at 11 11 a.m. our time. Joining us now are the co-hosts of the national championship, Gina DiNardo and Carolyn Mano. Ladies, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Spike and Lisa. So first off, let me say to you, since the event has already taken place... And the airing in Seattle won't be until January 1st. How do you keep the results secret? Because I'd like to still place a bet if it's possible. I know <laughs> folks bet on everything these days. If I get a little inside information about who wins, how do, how do you keep this? I mean, I know for our audience, it's the, it's the show itself and the beauty of these wonderful pets. Uh, are, are they pets? Spike, is this how you welcome us to your program, trying to get us in trouble? No, I'm just trying to make a few bucks. Um, let me, let they me, are pets. They, they are, are I, pets. I thought so. They because- get dirty and they roll around and they, you know, beg for treats and they lay on the couch. They just happen to be the ultimate representation of their respective breeds. And, you know, a lot of people, Spike and Lisa, that watch the dog show always ask, well, why is a Great Dane being judged against a Chihuahua? And that's not actually what happens. What the judges are doing are they're looking at these breeds and saying okay how closely does this particular dog resemble the ultimate example of the breed what we call the written standard of the breed and so these dogs match that very very closely because it's the ultimate collection of dogs i mean they are truly a remarkable group but one of the things that we're really stressing this year and i'm so glad you guys touched on it early is you know that they are dogs they're family pets and they have wonderfully funny quirky personalities they just happen to be on their best behavior at the Mm -hmm. dog show you know, I was going to say, when you watch a, a show, watch the, the AKC Championship, you can tell the joy that these these dogs are experiencing with, not not often their owners, but their handlers, which are part of their family. So there's yes, no way the these handlers. are there's no way these are trained and uh, trained athletes. These are these are well, pets. They, they are pets, but they are also trained athletes. They spend you know hours during the week being conditioned, being trained spending time with their handlers and forming that very deep bond that only the 
you can only have best show dogs with a, the right bond between the handler and the dog. And they do love it when you're packing up the van and getting ready to go to the dog show on the weekend. They're ready and waiting and they can't wait to get in the car and go. And when they get to the dog show, you know, there's so much energy and people that you get to see every weekend. So there's, it's like a dog show family and it's really a celebration of the bond between dogs and people in a way that anyone who owns a dog can understand because the more time that you spend with a dog, whether it's training or walking in the woods or sitting on the couch, the more time, the better the bond. So every year I know that uh, kennel clubs and the AKC recommend or, or, or recognize different breeds. Are there new breeds that we're going to be seeing this year competing that we haven't seen before? Yeah, there are three newly recognized breeds this year by the American Kennel Club. They are a fabulous trio, and it brings the number of recognized breeds by the AKC to a wonderfully even sort of round number of 200. There are 200 different breeds that are recognized uh, by the club, and that's such a testament to hard work from breeders that have been dedicated to this and has been their vocation and life service for decades and decades. And so there is a process by which breeds are recognized by the AKC and it takes a little bit of time to earn that formal recognition but to welcome three new breeds into the fold is so exciting and it's also part of the big reveal on New Year's Day that not only can you learn about some of these ancient breeds that have been around for so long that you might not be familiar with you can also learn about the three newest ones recognized by the AKC. Well, and you have a whole lot of dogs that are actually competing to make it to the level of of what we're going to see on TV. How many dogs were involved in this competition? So for the confirmation event, we had over 5,300 dogs from all over the world, every state in the country, 22 foreign countries. And it's the largest dog show in North America, and it's the largest entry in the history of the national championship. Now, I know most folks who watch it look at their family pet and think, my dog can do that. My dog's that attractive. My dog's that well-schooled. Are are there other competitions, local competitions, that folks can get involved in if they want to show their pet and train with their pet? Absolutely. So there are 26 different sports that the American Kennel Club offers. Confirmation dog shows are just one. There's agility, obedience, rally, diving dogs, uh, fast cat, which is a hundred yard dash for dogs. Uh, There's field trials, earth dog trials. There's something for everyone. And every event requires some training, uh, but any and every dog can compete in almost every AKC event, even if it's a mixed breed, quite honestly. There are very few events that aren't open to all dogs at the American Kennel Club. Well, I'm a big fan of the mixed breeds, but I have to ask you, um, as a Lhasa Apso owner for a number of years, <laughs> tell me about how the Lhasa Apsos are doing this year, and I hope finally they get to win. Well, I can't give away secrets, but I can tell She's you one <laughs> in the non-sporting group at the national championship. Which breeds were most in the spotlight this year, would you say? Not giving us any kind of inside information. (laughs) Well, the breeds that are so popular that Americans just seem to gravitate towards and love uh, were definitely well represented at this year's national championship. The Golden Retriever, the Labrador Retriever, the Australian Shepherd, the French Bulldog. These are breeds that have just skyrocketed in popularity and some that have been popular like the Lab for, you know, the last 30 plus years, just topping the charts. I mean, it's hard to beat the 
the warm affection of a Labrador Retriever. So those breeds had really huge entries. People really showed up in droves with their dogs um, to show those breeds. But again, you know, to to have the field sort of whittle down to the best of the best representing um, in each of the groups is really spectacular because you get to kind of sit back on New Year's Day on the couch and watch the best example of every breed uh, be judged. So it's it's really fun to kind of get that that macro view of everything that is offered by the American Kennel Club. We're speaking with Gina Donato and Carolyn Mano, co-hosts of the AKC National Championship Show, which will air January 1st. Where can our local audience see the show? It's on ABC. It's on nationally all across the country. So uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time, 11 a.m. Pacific on ABC is where you can find us. We'll be there all afternoon. We're going to do all seven groups are going to be judged. And then we'll have the best in show winner at the end of the show. So we can't wait to meet you guys there. We hope that you join us on the holiday. Absolutely. Come on, non-sporting group. Come on, Lhasa Hopso. (laughs) Yes. Well, well, my my, my pet, my uh, Bernadoodle, Learn to program the VCR so, so that she could tape the broadcast on <laughs> Ladies, uh, Gina DiNardo, Carolyn Mano, thank you so much for the time. And thank you for bringing this wonderful event to our families. We really do appreciate your time and, and best luck to all the competitors. It's our pleasure. Thanks, Spike and Lisa. Well, today's daily dose of kindness is about a barber shop in Buffalo that's receiving international praise after the barber turned his shop into a shelter for 50 people during that killer blizzard last week. Craig Elston told CBC Radio Canada last Friday started off relatively normally at his shop, but the snow just kept on piling up as the day went on. Once I opened up the business, me and a few of the clients I had in here, we got uh, stuck in here, so we already knew, like, all right, it's two or three of us in here. We're going we gonna to ride it out and be stuck. Well, as the blizzard conditions worsened, Elston's shop stayed up and running with heat and electricity and Wi-Fi, even though most businesses and homes are in the dark. Well, that's when a stranger in need approached his shop. Air big man banged on the door. And once I let him in, the first word he said was, if you didn't let me in, in two or three minutes, I was going to die. Elston opened his doors and posted on TikTok and Facebook, inviting others to take shelter in his shop. Dozens were there. People were looking for shelter. And, you know, the barbershop was just a place that was open to the community so people could come here. And that's really all I did. He says people slept in the chairs and on the floor with barber capes as blankets. Elston estimates about 50 people came in and they stayed throughout the weekend More than two dozen of those stayed the entire time. He provided food, drinks, and electricity, a lot of heat for those who were stranded. This was so devastating and so tragic. The winds was up to 70 miles per hour. The snow probably was up to 11, 12 feet. Cars was buried in, people houses was buried. He says people have been reaching out to call him a hero, but he feels like this was just what he was supposed to do. Like, I've always been the type of person to, you know, try to help people around me. So I just did it because I seen people in the cold and I just wanted to make them warm. Alston missed his own Christmas with his family, but says it was worth it to make a difference. When you're a barber, you're like a pillar of the community. And it's our job to kind of protect the community, give somebody a place to come to talk about what they're going through and get a, the barbershop be an outlet to kind of for men to come to to kind of release themselves. But it turned into a shelter and kind of a safe zone. What an amazing man. He finally made it back to his own home on Tuesday. That's what makes America great. And now, live! 
live from the GNR Arsalus Show, weekdays 9 to noon here on Coyote News Radio. It's the one and only G. Scott. Turn your mic on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doing, hey, I, I, I was talking, and, and Nick's in my ear like, uh, turn your microphone on. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about being on the air with you, Spike, is that I get to chill. I don't have to bring the energy. Oh, my. You bring the energy for us. Uh, well, I appreciate yeah. that. You're inspiring me. Yeah. What's happening? Um, it has been a year, bud. It Just, has. I mean, and everyone's, we're so bogged down with, oh, my God, we've been through hell for three years. This year almost felt like a normal year. It we did. had lows, but we had highs. Mm-hmm. We had some great things happen this year. Mm-hmm. What's the most uh, memorable thing from 2022 for Cheese Scott? Oh, but you said great, and then you went most memorable, so oh, I'm well, in trouble. Well, well yeah, I, at least I don't, I don't really have it. I, I, I think, you know, in because we do news, right, all the time, we're always, there's a news story all day, every day, right? And so even sometimes when I come home and my wife's like, hey, so what'd you guys talk about today? Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, yeah. I don't remember. Yep. I'd say that the biggest story, what really stands out to me, might be what happened in June. It would be the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Nearly 50 years. And never thought that something like that would happen. I think that was a big story of 2022. It impacted half of the American citizens. No doubt about it. If not more than that. Uh, I also think, uh, I mean... (laughs) For some reason, I don't think people think it's a big deal, but it is. Russia invading Ukraine, that's a huge deal, right? I mean, we we don't talk about it as much, but it's something that I know some people follow a lot. I know you should follow because it has impact on our world. Absolutely. So that, it's a that's tip of the spear. Yeah. It yeah. really is. I mean, we're looking at a recreation of the, the, the elements that led up to World War II. And people say that's hyperbole, but I don't think it is. I think it's a guy that was just going to run amok unchecked. And, you know, for all Joe Biden's faults, and he has many, Mm -hmm. uh, he is actually a a normal president in rallying the world's community to stand up against somebody who's trying to just run roughshod over a neighboring country. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's about it. Um, I, I would say that uh, local, I couldn't think of anything local. No. Some of the biggest stories. Mariners, playoffs. Okay, there you go. That was, that First was, time in 20 years. that was big. Good, good, good stuff right there. Uh, Mariners, playoffs. Uh, for some reason, I know this sounds crazy, but the, the ice storm that we just had, like, I yeah. think, I think the biggest story of the year here local has just, has been weather. Right, like we. This has been some like whether it's the heat wave, and then driest, all of a sudden, driest four months from June to October, drier than Vegas, right? And it's, then ice and snow, and you can't explain this weather that we've been having. I mean, we were having all those Sundays, and I know Ted Beener had said like we had went from really sunny, and then five weeks later we had dumps of of snow going on right there. Uh, that ice storm that we just had was just, I mean, that, that was that was nuts. That was crazy. I did not leave the house. Yeah, that, I wasn't going to leave the house. Because <laughs> and I, I figured something out. Before, and I, I'm, I'm getting to that age now, before, if I fail, it was no big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, it's no big deal. Oh. Like, I fail all the time. Oh, go, get right back up. Everything's good. Yeah. Mm-mm. You know, last year, this time, last year, I was going to the Dave Chappelle concert and I fell and I fell down some stairs. Ugh. And I'm telling you, I didn't even tell my wife about this. I was hurting for a month. <laughs> You were significantly injured, and you didn't say anything. I was hurt. Oh. And so what I'm saying is is that 
there's falls that I, I can't take anymore. Like, like, like falling today is like, I used to be like, well, what do you mean they fail and they're hurt? What? Yeah, I get it now. I apologize for not understanding. Um, I cannot fall anymore. So, yeah, the whole ice storm and the weather, yes, that kind of that stuff matters. I, I, I got news for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, in about 10 years' time, when you get to close to where I am, yeah. it's going to hurt to put your shoes on to go to the Dave Chappelle show. You won't have to fall on the way. Putting your shoes on hurts at a certain point. Time just marches on. Oh, man. Time just marches on. You know, you try to go to the gym. You try to do the things. You know what? You cannot defeat Father Time. It just doesn't matter. But but we have, as a community, rallied for each other this year. Yeah, you know we stand up when 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 tragedy happens in our community and it's and it's come home mm-hmm. with school shootings locally and all the things that have happened, the increased crime in town. We we actually step up for each other and our neighbors, and I think that was a great great part of this year. Mm-hmm. You know, COVID locked us all down behind closed doors, remote everything. Now there's a sense of you know getting together with friends and family again. We're still be careful, yeah, but there's a little bit of normal coming back in 22. That's what I remember most of 2022 is a little bit more normal life and taking the masks off. Yeah, I mean finally yeah. you can breathe again. You know what? You know what? Uh, COVID. That during that time period did for me, um, it made me realize that um, I don't like going out in public as much as I thought. You know, you, you or know the what? movies. You or don't like movies. going. You don't like going to the movies anymore either, right? I don't want to come to your party. <laughs> I want to stay home. I got a sniffle. No, I, I slipped in the driveway and hurt my hip. I can't come. <laughs> See you guys. G, it's a pleasure, my friend. The G and Ursula show every day nine to noon here. Aaron Mason's with you again today, right? Right. Sounds good. Welcome back to Seattle's Morning News. I'm Spike O'Neill and for Dave Ross all week long. It's been an absolute pleasure. It is 848 with us now, Mickey Gomez. And Mickey, uh, you were talking to me about a piece you read in the Seattle Times from mm-hmm. the FYI guy, Gene Balk. Gene Balk, yep. About uh, trends of people moving to Seattle. What'd you find out? Well, actually, it's Washington seeing a big shift in who moves to the state. And um, and right now, Washington ranked 16th in growth overall nationwide. So what the data released by the census is telling us is that Washington now has more people leaving than moving here. And uh, that was from July of 2021 until July of 2022. So Washington, um, according to this story by Gene Balk, um, had a net loss of about 3,600 people to other states. That's surprising. I mean, g- given the industry foothold that we've got here mm-hmm. and so much new growth industry, especially with Amazon and the, the stories of rising, uh, rising rent prices and home prices you know, prior to this last economic little dip down with the inflation rates or the uh, interest rates going up through inflation. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed that we've had a net loss of people. Where are they, where are they going? Well, it doesn't really say where they're going specifically, um, but uh, I will tell you that Florida had the largest increase of uh, people moving there within the United States. They had a net gain, a net gain of 319,000 wow. people moving to Florida. Second, can you guess what second was? Uh, uh, California. Texas. Texas? Yep, Texas was a distant number two with 231,000, and North Carolina came in number third. So we don't know for sure that if the people who aren't moving to Washington are necessarily moving to Florida or Texas, but what we do know is that Florida, Texas, and North Carolina um, are the top three biggest states right now for people moving um, into and and buying homes and, and acclimating themselves. Um, Idaho 
was the sole outside. It was kind of like the uh, uh, outside of the Sun Belt, outside of those warmer states. Idaho was the next uh, biggest state, top 10 for domestic migration, getting about 28,600 people. So our neighbors over in Idaho are, are beating us right now. Do you think it's affordability that's driving people out of Seattle and Washington in general? You know, I'm not sure what it is. I, I would say, sure, affordability is something that's really important. But to my family, and I and I guess, you know, our income is a lot higher because I, I'm married to someone who practices medicine. So uh, for us, we didn't even look at affordability when we decided that we were going to move to Seattle. It was going to be a temporary move. We had only decided to stay here for six months because it was a contract position. My wife had, uh, you know, taken a um, a contract position at UW to practice medicine for a little while. And then we were going to go back to Texas. But then when Texas kind of lost its mind with its policies, okay. um, we decided, let's stay here. And then we went. Ooh, yeah, it is expensive to it live is. here. It's not a cheap um, place to it, be. It's not a cheap place. But um, when we did go back to Texas and we did go to other states that that weren't uh, that we found weren't LGBTQ friendly the way we wanted them to, Washington, Seattle, rather looked more and more attractive to us, which is why we've made it home. But I would think that people are probably starting to think, okay, quality of life. How far can we stretch our paycheck? And Florida and Texas are predominantly more affordable states. And to be fair, there are people who find Washington to be Washington to be uh, strictly governed. You know, we have uh, a nanny state. A nanny state, yes. I heard that a uh, lot. N- not great for business. A lot of restrictions. Uh, and places like Texas, places like Florida, places like Idaho, mm-hmm. seem to offer freedom to a lot of Americas. Well, you would think it was freedom, it, but I, I don't think for women, it, they're, they're very friendly places for women. It's not friendly for the LGBTQ community. It's not friendly for, you know, um, uh, immigrant families. But a lot of people, you know, they buy, they think, OK, sure, we can we can live with that if we can live in pockets of these states that are, right. that are a little more friendly, friendlier to, to people like us, like Austin, like San Antonio, like Dallas, like Houston. It's those smaller outer lying areas where you're going to find, um, you know, less desirable neighborhoods for people in my community. But in other communities, they welcome that. They they want the acres of land. They want the bigger homes. Right. I mean, I mean, it is substantially different when you look at a million dollar home here in Seattle. It's a fixer upper. But when you look a million dollar home in Florida, in it's Texas, the, it's and in the Idaho. Clampets. It, it, it's, it's a mansion. It's got a cement pond. Right. And, and <laughs> so, it's important to remember, too, like you just said, too, there are different parts of each state. It's really an error to think of Florida as all one state of mind, all right. one political ideology. The same with Texas. Mm-hmm. The same with Washington. Right. You know, east of the mountains, a very different ideology than west of the mountains. That's what I've heard. And, and we're all Washingtonians, but I think that's one thing we got to remember that that's that's a quality that we all can think so differently if we can just stay respectful of each other's point of view, empathetic to what each other are going through. Right. Yeah, but, but I got to tell you, if somebody whose property taxes have gone up, who the cost of everything is going up in Washington, I take it as a sign of good news that we had a net loss. Really? For, I, I do. Because I really do. you think do. if more people move here, that'll drive the cost up? Absolutely. Uh-huh. We can't build affordable housing fast enough in this town. That's true. You know, uh, the we don't industry, have enough rentals. The industries that are here, like Amazon, like Facebook, like Google, like Microsoft, like the uh, the biotech industry here in Seattle, those aren't going anywhere anytime soon. 
Mm-hmm. And I think eventually we will be the last place in America with an average temperature under 80 degrees. I honestly believe but that. But you know what? That's kind of okay for me right now because I've acclimatized. So 80? 80 is nice. 80 is great. <laughs> 80 is great. Well, just last thing before we wrap this up. Washington is no longer among the 10 fastest growing states in the U.S. We're ranking 16th this year. And the last time Washington was really thriving was back in 2016. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Thanks. Great You're insight. You're Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. Thanks for listening to the show's podcast. We're happy you're here. And you can keep up with the show and find some of the stories from today online at MyNorthwest.com.